0: To the untrained eye, real estate is the business of shelter, of comfort, of home. But industry insiders know that just behind the curtain resides a world teeming with innovation and disruption and sometimes brutal competition. And there in the midst of it all stand our industry leaders, the folks with the answers to our million-dollar questions in real estate. We've got one of those leaders here for you today. I'm Jessica Edgerton. And I'm Tarko Heidinga from a leading real estate companies of the world. Let's pull back the curtain. Welcome to Million Dollar Question. This is a Soulfire production. Whitney LaCosta is the president and CEO of Howard Hanna Coach Realtors, a full-service brokerage serving all of Long Island. She's a woman of many leadership hats. In addition to being at the helm of a powerhouse East Coast brokerage, she's served on the leading RE board for many years. And in March at our annual conferences in Las Vegas was installed as our new chair. She's also mom to three young kids and does all of the mom things brilliantly and well. Whitney is a natural strategist. She's deeply intentional in her leadership style and in her business decisions. I've known Whitney for years, and I've never seen her get flustered or phased, even during the height of the pandemic, when getting flustered and phased was what we were all doing at some point or another. When an issue arises, Whitney LaCosta strategizes, and then she acts. She's the quintessential athlete leader as an ex-collegiate field hockey and rugby champion, Whitney has clearly carried lessons from the field throughout her career. She knows the value of her team and never falters in her role as the captain. She walks the field before a game and she knows every flaw that could trip up her players. And yes, I'm saying it, cover your ears for an overused sports analogy, but dang it, it fits. Whitney keeps her eye on the ball. I am excited to have her here with us today to talk growth leadership and everything she does to keep things rolling in all the right ways for coach. Hey Whitney. Hi, how are you, Jessica? It's good to see you. I'm doing great. How are you doing? Great, great. Good. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being on. I um I love that we got to see each other recently and here we are again. Absolutely. Um, it's it's fun. It's always fun to hang out with you. So thanks, thanks for being on the show. Oh, this is going to be fun. Yes, it will be. And um, there's a lot going on in your world right now, really exciting stuff. So we're going to get into that. But yes. before we do that, um, I, I just want to break down a little bit your company, Coach, um, just in terms of the, the, the size and, and growth and, and services you provide. And then I want to talk a little bit about you, too, because okay. you, have, you have great family history. So talk about Coach first.
1: Yeah, so Coach, the company, uh, has been around since the 50s. Uh, It was actually started by uh, two gentlemen that were uh, friends from World War II, and uh, they had the name Coach, and then my parents partnered with them in the beginning of the 80s, and for uh, different reasons, they left the business, and my parents remained with the name Coach, and so they have um, been, they've had coach from a one office shop back in the early 80s to what it is today, which is uh, 19 offices and over 700 sales agents. So my parents have done a fantastic job and have worked very hard over the years to grow the company to what it is today.
0: And you continue to do that. And you are, as as has made clear now, you are a, what what Mike Pappas calls DOB, daughter of a broker. So you come from a family of real estate industry professionals you stayed in uh, was it fate was it choice was it forced hands how did that
1: happen <laughs> yeah you know, someone of my heard say you know when when the second generation or third generation comes in the business we we call it uh, it's child abuse <laughs> <laughs> But I actually did not, um, I, you know, throughout my growing up, I've had every job from, you know, uh, cleaning gutters in some of the buildings. And when the other kids were out sleigh riding, I was wa- shoveling walkways in offices, you know. So we, everyone had to put in their, their sweat equity into the company, even at a young age. And, um, but at the same time, my parents always thought it was important for us to be successful in our own right and to have success somewhere outside of real estate. So, um, I had a master's degree in education. I was a teacher for a number of years before coming back into the business. And, um, you know, at some point my parents looked at me and said, you know, our retirement plan is either you or death. So we love her. <laughs> We need you to come back. <laughs> so they threatened to die unless you came back yeah. basically. <laughs> exactly. But no, but the reality is, is when you grow up in this business, um, I always hear many people, you know, children say, I'm never going to be in the business. I'm never going to, you know, but the reality is it's in your blood. It's what, you know, it's what you, it's so ingrained this business. And I think that, um, when you see your parents and you see how they help other people grow their careers, um, there's, it's so rewarding, so hard, and there's a lot of hard work goes into it, but it's so rewarding that, um, you know, there are not too many other jobs that you touch people's lives in the same way as you touch real estate. Maybe the customers and clients and maybe the agents in the office that you really become more than just people you work with. They become family. And you have a lot to draw on outside of the real
0: estate vertical for your leadership. I mean, not only were you a teacher, um, but you were also a serious athlete. And so there, I would imagine that there would be a lot of leadership lessons that came from that as
1: well. Yeah, you know, I think that both teaching and being an athlete um, lend themselves well to leadership, you know. And I think one of the biggest parallels or the things that lend itself is is planning um, and goal setting. Um, You know, as an athlete, you have goals. And you have to continue to work, have milestones to work towards that goal. And it's not an individual thing. It's a team thing. And you have to, how to figure out how to relate to people, um, how to work with people for a common goal. And that's how you have to run a business. You have to work with other people and you have to all have to have a common goal to work towards. And in teaching, um, you, you plan, Um, you have your, you have your your plans for the year. You have your plans for your month. You have your plans for the day, and that is really important to having a successful business. Is to to business plan and teaching is the same way. Um, it, it, it's making sure you have a business plan and you follow that business plan. You reevaluate it, and you know you you look you 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 just keep keep continuing to grow and get better. Coach recently
0: joined forces with Howard Hanna, which was a really exciting merger. It's the coming together of two incredibly powerful industry players um, and both leading RE champions as well. What are the benefits that you're seeing so far? How did that happen and and
1: where is is the growth continuing to happen post-merger now? Yeah, it's a fantastic partnership. And it really is two companies that are so very similar in culture and value um, coming together to create something even bigger and stronger. You know, there are a number of benefits that we've seen. One is the position in our marketplace, right? We were a strong dominant player, but now we have the ability to say that we are the number one family owned company in the entire country, which gives the agents leverage when they're out in the marketplace. It gives us as a company um, status in the market. Um, You know, that's the first and foremost. You know, the tools and services. Uh, that we are able to add. We are an agent-centric company, right? And we want to give our agents the best advantages possible. And with this merger, we're able to bring on more tools than we had beforehand for our agents and to make sure that they are well-equipped to go out there and do their job well. And then we have to look at the, the public that we serve right? We have to make sure that we can deliver the highest level of service. So by adding those tools and services, that is just more service that we can provide, a higher caliber of service that we can bring to the public and to our agents. But the big benefit is we're able to do that, but to mitigate the cost to our agents and to the public without adding extra fees to them um, and just being able to deliver more is the real benefit.
0: When you were looking at this, uh, at this M&A, I mean, there's always lessons to be learned. With companies that are looking to, uh, to join another company, what are some of the m and red flags? What made you know you were coming with the, right, with the right company? And what are some of the things that people should be watching out for as they look to this business decision?
1: Well, I think when someone's looking to possibly have a partnership or a merger or, or, or anything of the sort, they have to look at themselves and, and first decide what is my goal. Is it are they looking for an exit strategy? Are they looking for it out that in certain amount of years they're out of the business? Are they looking to stay in play and looking for a partner that's going to enhance their business and the growth of their company? And once you have answered that question, then you can look at who would be the best partner for you. Um, but I think there are a couple of red flags. One, it's like a marriage, right? You look at the person's past experience, their past relationships, and have they been good ones? Have they had a lot of them that, that did not work out? And I think the same thing, you look at a company, do they have other partnerships that have been very successful? Are they still in those partnerships for years and years later? You know, That's a good tell if they're gonna be a good partner. I also think just like a marriage, um as you're courting someone, you're dating someone. If if that courting process is it's not going well, you break up, you get back together, you break up, you get back together, um, there are some sort of tell signs and then maybe in marriage it's not going to be good. And I think that you have to look at your negotiations with the person you're going to partner with or merger with. If you are having trouble negotiating or your partner's having uh in that negotiation compromising and negotiating, Um, those are the people you're going to be partners with for a really long time. So in the very beginning, if you're having trouble in that area, then you're going to be stuck with this partnership for quite a long time. Then maybe the connection is not there. So, you know, I think those two things is really look at the negotiation. The negotiation is very hard. Then maybe the partnership is not going to work out in the long term.
0: In addition to sort of the considerations and the conversations in the boardroom and and in the C-suite, you you merge and then you start needing to really ensure that your staff and your agents and your prospects are coming into a cohesive situation. Mm-hmm. How has that been going and what advice do you have for folks after that merely <laughs> once the honeymoon is over?
1: Yeah, I think that uh, we have had the benefit of both the Hannah family and the Coach family have had mergers and acquisitions in the past. So Howard Hanna, we've had experience with it on the Merchant Act, which is same with us. So we take, we draw from that experience that we had. um, But I think that some of the most important things are attention to detail. Um, Making sure you, looking at the little things as much as the big things. Um, You have to keep your agents at the forefront and, and most important. And we said we have to do everything to not create stress in their lives. Do not create stress in their lives, do not create stress in their business, um, and they're going to be better, it's gonna be okay. Um, I think a little bit of that mergers and acquisitions and making sure that there's retention in the transition happens well before a merger happens. It's like, it's creating a bank of goodwill with your people. It's making sure that in the years past that you've made good decisions and your agents know that you've made really good decisions that benefit them. And if you've made good decisions in the past, and they trust, they create, you've carried that bank of goodwill, that bank of trust, then they will continue to understand and know that you're trying to make good decisions on their behalf. And they have that trust level in you, and they know that you're going to make a good decision for them. Um, I think that... Uh, managing expectations in the transition is very important. Um, not over, you can't overpromise and underdeliver. You have to underpromise and overdeliver, uh, because it, it, that could be a, a a point of discomfort for the agents. It could be a point where you start to lose that trust. If you're not delivering what you're saying, you're going to deliver. Um, and communication, 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 communication. You cannot be in touch with your people. There's there, too much. There's no such thing as too much communication. And that goes from everyone from your leadership management team all the way down to your administrative people in your company. Everyone needs to know what's going on all the time and they need to know who their resources are in every aspect of that uh, transition. So they feel that they're not being lost in the transition. So attention to detail, managing expectations, communication um, are all, and building the bank of goodwill I think are all really important in any type of merger or transition.
0: Let's talk about the market. Real estate's local. We've got big headlines across the across the country about what's happening. Are those national headlines reflecting uh, themselves in, in your area?
1: Yeah, I think that what we're seeing in our market is holds true for most everyone's markets out there. What's our biggest problem is the inventory problem. And it, low inventory leads to low amount of transactions. Uh, so that's where we're down probably just about 20%. And I think that most markets around the country are, give or take, are right around that number. Yeah. And where does the challenges come from? Low inventory, higher level of competition. And uh, also, we find in that type of market, agents are stressed because of the market. They're stressed because of their income. They're stressed because they don't know what's to come in the future. And that uncertainty is worrisome. And um, so those are some of the challenges that we see, is making sure that we create certainty for agents so they, they don't feel that stress.
0: What are the conversations that you and your sales manager leadership are having right now with them? What trainings, what what are you doing to assuage those fears?
1: Yeah. So to create certainty, the only thing, you, the one of the things you can do is to have a plan. Yeah. And when you have a plan, there is a level of comfort or there's a feeling that it's they can handle it. They can handle whatever is to come. And so it's very important for us in our company to business plan with our agents to reviewing those business plans, not on a quarterly basis, but on a monthly basis with the agents. And in that business plan, it's broken down into what are the steps they're going to take? What are they doing today? What are they doing this week to help their business? Um, But using the most uh, advanced tools at their fingertips to get back to basics. Back to basics is, is solidifying their relationships with people and creating better relationships and developing new relationships even
0: with the best strategy in hand if you don't have if you don't have the communication you can't do it
1: and you know and we talk about even chat gpt cannot get you out in front of people and and get you talking and building relationships it could tell you it could write you a letter how to do it <laughs> it can give you the ideas but it can't get you face to face nose to nose toes to toes with people are your folks
0: interested in using ChatGPT in different ways? Are you seeing that starting to happen in the offices?
1: Um, you know, it, it, it depends. I have some that don't even know what ChatGPT right. is, I tell them. <laughs> and I have others that are, are kind of leaning into it a little bit and using it to their benefit. I think that no matter how you feel about it, there are a lot of opinions out about it. Um you know, to make sure that you're using it in the right way. You're using it in smart ways to enhance their business if they decide that's something they want to utilize. Yeah, it is not a set it and forget it kind of tool.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So so talking about the market, uh, not just what's happening with the agents, but with the consumers and the conversations they're having to have. One of the narratives that's kind of not freaking me out, but I'm hearing over and over again is, is, oh, well, you know, we, we got to, it's a renter's, it's turning into a renter's society. We're getting more, you know, like certain parts of Europe about, it's fine, figure out other things to do with your money. And it, it bothers me because I think that there's a fallacy there about how Americans can and should be building equity and building wealth. Are you are you hearing that? And are your agents worried about that? And if so, you know, what are the counters that, that you're using with that narrative?
1: You know, in our market, uh, we have such a high average sales price um, in our markets. So renting is actually very expensive as well. So we might not be hearing that as much here in this market. But I under- I've i heard that argued for, And I just think it is very short-sighted. Yeah. It's extremely short-sighted. But, you know, um, you cannot build financial stability in real estate if you don't own real estate. Yeah. And I, I would challenge anyone to bring me someone where their financial wealth is greater if they've owned a house for 30 years of their life compared to the person that has rented for 30 years. Yeah. It's a no-brainer. right? Um, so I think that that narrative, it's short-sighted, and really um, there's no better, there has never been in the hundreds of years, no other investment that has more stable for people than real estate and owning a home. Yeah. And I do believe, I strongly believe that there is, um, we are not in a, we have yet to hit negative population growth so there are still people that are going to need homes. Um, there's still a huge population. I think that you know, with the influx of immigration into this country, the first generation might not ever own a home, but that second generation, that third generation, absolutely are going to be a huge source of our home ownership in the years to come. And so they will be homeowners, and um, they might their family, their parents might not be, but they will be.
0: What are your predictions looking out through the end of 2023? We're normalizing, we're rocky, we're pfft, Mona Lisa smile type economy. What? What? Where, where are we going to land at the end of this, Whitney?
1: Oh, I wish I had the answer to that, Jessica. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I could enlighten everyone and say, here's the answer. Um, you know, I don't have the answer, uh, but what... We can, what what we know about real estate is that it's historically we can see, for sure, the follow the past to see the future. Yeah. Um, so I think that we are going to see a little bit of a bumpy road for a few months. Um, may we all, from our mouths to the God's ears, may be a short, bumpy road. But I do think that we're going to be okay in the long term. Absolutely. Um, And I think that companies that are smart, companies that plan and understand the peaks and valleys of real estate are going to be just fine. Those that have a plan C or D in the drawer for the rainy day are going to be absolutely fine. If you're a company that has not decided to make a plan for that a different type of market, then you're going to wake up one day and you're going to be in trouble. So, and there's still time to make those those plans if you haven't already. There's still time to look at your business and say, all right, if the business is down 20, even 30% worst case scenario, what would I need to do to survive in this market for an X number period?
0: So you're a strategist and you're a planner. Uh, what wakes you up in the middle of the night with the, I don't have a
1: plan, give me a pencil kind, <laughs> of, kind of feeling? You know, I think the things that worry me the most, are the things that we can't see, and I remember Marcy talking about the that at the conference, is the things that you can't foresee, the things that you cannot plan for. You know, um, pandemics, natural disasters, um but you know they worry me but they don't keep me up at night because I can't I, there's nothing we are going to do to stop them and prevent them it's going to happen and that's something that's really important as i think leaders is that buoyancy factor you know they say entrepreneurs are the and i think that all of us in this business may you be an agent a manager an owner we're all entrepreneurs in our own way and entrepreneurs that are are successful are are okay with change are better at accepting change going with change and and along with those lines if you're good with change you also have to be buoyant you have to be able to bounce back from bad things negative things you need to compartmentalize those bad things and be able to wake up the next day put your feet on the floor dust yourself off and say, all right, we can handle this. Let's move forward. And moving forward, we are. um, (laughs) We are. We're going to be fine.
0: Yes, we are. If we have a strategic plan in place, right? Um, What is the number one leadership lesson that you you have been given and you find yourself coming back to in either those moments of uncertainty or um, passing on to folks who who uh, are trading up to be leaders themselves.
1: Yeah, I, I, you know I, I go back and, and I go back to the same things all the time because the same things work and the is, is planning, having a, a defined goals, what you want to reach, um, communicating those goals with other people. And once again, nothing's going to be perfect. Nothing's going to be a straight line to getting to those goals. And, you know, some days are going to be diamonds and some days are going to be coal. My Scottish grandfather always used to tell me that some days are going to be diamonds and some days are going to be coal. So you got to get through the coal to get to the diamonds. And it goes back to being buoyant. Can you can you weather the storm? Can you have the right attitude um, to get through even the most challenging times? Um, and have, it doesn't mean being a Pollyanna and saying everything's gonna be fine, everything's rosy, but it's a matter of saying we're going to be okay, we're gonna take one step at a time to get there or to get through the challenge, and what are the resources I have available to help me through that challenge? And there's opportunity, and this is this is what I'm gonna leave you with, there's opportunity in everything, even the worst of times, even the worst of situations, there's opportunity you just have to have your eyes open and your mind open to see the opportunities and be able to take advantage of them.
0: Whitney, it's always awesome to talk to you. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for uh, your your leadership, and um, I can't wait to see you again soon. Hopefully, hopefully sometime soon. Thanks for soon. having
1: me. I, you know, I love to see you in person. I know it's nice to see you on on screen, but always a person is so much better. And I love being with my leading RE family, because you're like extended family. We are. And uh, you know, it just, it, the, the ideas that are shared and the things that come out of being together. So I will look forward to being with all of you in person soon.
0: You know when it's gonna be, Whitney? It's gonna be in July uh, for our first board meeting with you as our chairperson. Well, really kind of our second, but flying solo. <laughs> so, thank you for your leadership in that regard as well. Um, because leading our real
1: is family, and you are now our mom. So, I look forward to to being part of uh, the uh, leadership team and uh, chairman of the board. And uh, it is it is just such an amazing group of people. We are truly, truly, truly. Um, blessed with these amazing companies, great leadership out there, and great minds that are willing to share. And there's nothing better than that. Truly, truly. Well, thank you, Whitney, again. And uh, see you soon.
0: Thanks, everybody, for listening.